processes over 1 billion search queries every day. That every minute, over 100 hours of footage are uploaded to YouTube. That's more in a single day than all three major U.S. networks broadcast in the last five years combined. And Facebook transmitting the photos, messages, and stories of over 1.23 billion people. That's almost half of the internet population and a sixth of humanity. That's Margaret Stewart, Vice President of Product Design at Facebook. She was speaking about designing global products at TED conference in 2014. We are in 2018, and you can expect a significant increase in the numbers she just mentioned in her talk. Today, data is everywhere. Companies are using it extensively to shape our experience. It's no wonder that data scientists are in high demand today and more companies are striving to become data-driven with every passing day. We now talk about data-driven design and not just UI design or UX design. But is the relationship between data and design limited to analytics or is there more to the story? What about designing data itself? Does it play a bigger role in the design process? And what's the synergy between design intuition and data? We'll try to answer these questions in today's episode. I'm Adit Gupta and you're listening to Doors and Devices, a podcast dedicated to all things design. So let's get started. We have been dealing with data since a long time, but never it has been so tightly integrated in our lives. From health to our buying habits, movements, what we watch, what we eat, and even our associations. Everything is data. Products are becoming so personalized and contextual that we can't think about shaping digital experiences without considering data. And that's why companies are taking the approach of data-driven design. But what does it mean to be data-driven? In simple terms, it implies that the data that is collected determines design decisions. Rochelle King, in her book Designing with Data, says that to be data-driven, you first need to be data-aware. What it means is that you are aware of the fact that there are many types of data to answer many questions. Once you are aware, you become data-informed, where the team analyzes data to determine their approach towards making a design decision. And from data-informed, you become data-driven, when you exactly know your problems, goals, and the data you need to arrive at decisions. If you're just starting with data-driven design approach, I highly recommend her book Designing with Data to understand key concepts and processes. So how are companies using this data-driven design approach in taking decisions? Let's start with Netflix. If you ever felt that Netflix has the most diverse and interesting content among all the media services, then it's not just because they have a great content curation team. Netflix's decision on what content to license and what to make is largely influenced by data. By using the past performance of similar shows along with user reviews and credentials of show creators, they develop predictive models to judge the value of licensed content. And it does not stop there. In fact, their home screen best exemplifies their data-driven design approach. A big data set of video viewing activities and UI interactions determines the design of the home screen, which includes the artwork of titles, number of rows, ordering of titles, thumbnail size, billboard variations, ratings, and recommendations. It's all driven by data. And everything is personalized. 
This implies that there are millions of versions of Netflix out there. I mean, uh, there's a reason why Netflix recommendations work so well for all of us, right? Similarly, Spotify is another data-driven company. So these guys explore two different variations of their UI, a lighter one and a darker one. The objective was to understand which one is working well for their users and business. Along with analyzing quantitative and qualitative user research data, they also used A-B testing to measure the success or failure of the designs. The team realized that the darker version resulted in more music time and better business metrics. So the key lesson here is that designers at Spotify were able to run these experiments because they were data aware and data informed. Data enables you to understand user behavior in the real world and gives you the capacity to evolve by running data-driven experiments. Speaking of experiments, Airbnb is another company that is known for running controlled experiments to learn and make decisions at every step of product development, from design to algorithms. Now we know that there are several factors that influence our actions while using a product. And that's why Airbnb runs experiments to isolate these factors and understand which one leads to better experience and business outcome. They have experimented with search, filters, photographs, rental predictions, almost everything that's there on the platform. Well, the fact is that we cannot predict user behavior and that's where data comes in handy. Combine it with qualitative research data and you get the whole picture. What users are actually doing and why are they doing it? As we have seen in these cases, being data-driven means that you analyze different features and aspects of your platform, both big and small. Let's take another case study. Autodesk took a data-driven approach for integrating marking menu in Autodesk Inventor, which is their flagship 3D CAD software used heavily in the manufacturing industry. As is the convention with most desktop tools, Autodesk Inventor was using contextual menu for users to perform various actions within the tool. However, the menu was getting bloated with numerous tasks over every release and it was getting difficult for users to find a specific task. From the existing data, Autodesk realized that most users were using 20 to 30 commands in 80% of their workflow. And that's when they decided to test a marking menu to make things easier for their users. Now, note that a marking menu uses a radial layout and allows gesture selection for various items. Autodesk started testing marking menu for some users and evaluated the performance through usability tests, longitudinal study, and surveys. Over a period of two years, they had enough data to indicate that this was the way to go. Data again gave them the means to experiment and innovate, thereby leading to bigger impacts and better product usage. In all these use cases, we have seen how various companies are leveraging data to shape experiences. Even IDEO, a well-known design company, is working closely with data scientists to bring a human-centered approach to big data. In fact, the synergy between data and design is getting more interesting with every passing day. Recently, I came across a paper on automatic persona generation. Yes, you heard it right. Automatic persona generation. It's a system for quantitative persona generation using large amounts of online social media data. This system was developed by a group of researchers working at the Qatar Computing Research Institute and is now being actively used by several companies across the globe. Now, this might sound a bit complex, 
let's say technically speaking but honestly it's like taking two data sets a and b and combining them to get the persona and this is how it works the system leverages privacy preserving data of user interactions from various social media platforms a set of distinct user interaction patterns are identified from the data set and then these are linked to user demographic groups based on their correlation impactful user demographic groups are identified and personas are created out of them each persona profile includes some base information about the persona their topics of interest quotes and most viewed content much like our traditional personas well companies are using this system to understand real user behavior and can design their products in a better informed way another research paper highlights the use of data driven personas which is different from automatic persona generation the system of data driven personas is essentially based on clicks that are aggregated to create click streams these click streams are then structured into workflows and finally these workflows are used to generate personas that are validated with user behavior experts now i know it quite a few things are happening here and it might sound complex but honestly behind all these technical complexities the approach is pretty straightforward you get some data you analyze it you segment it and you get the persona this system was developed by platfora in association with north carolina state university and this is how the system works in more detail a click is the smallest piece of interaction on the platform and i think that's pretty straightforward to achieve a task a user has to go through a sequence of clicks a click stream is basically a sequence of clicks generated by user in one login session the system analyzes similar patterns in click streams to generate a workflow common workflows are then mapped to personas the advantage of a data driven persona against a qualitative persona is that it captures real behavioral data and is a better representation of persona evolution over time it's more dynamic and gives a true picture of product usage but it's not just limited to personas researchers at university of illinois have created a system what they call as interaction mining to capture interactions while users are playing with an app interaction mining can not only be used by designers to create better informed designs but can also be utilized for automatic generation of mobile uis i mean that's pretty radical right and here's how it works researchers have created a web based system called as erica for interaction mining now erica is an abbreviation for a technically complex term but let's stick with erica for now the web client is being used in a browser on a phone in full screen mode to interact with an app running on one of the other android devices connected to the server erica collects information about the app in real time while the user is interacting with it it combines all the data to produce an interaction trace which is a sequence of ui states visited by the user during a usage session designers can use these interaction traces to identify usage patterns that can be utilized to make better designs to go a step further interaction traces can also be used for automated mobile ui generation thereby reducing designer effort now i mean i'm not sure about the automated ui but the system surely sounds interesting all of these are useful and innovative ways of combining data with design more companies and universities are actively doing research in this field and we should see some more interesting outcomes in times to come 
So we have discussed quite a few examples of actively using data to drive design. But what about designing the data itself? Before even consuming data, can we design it in a better way? Melanie Feinberg from University of North Carolina has tried to answer these questions in a research paper on data as a design material. Loosely speaking, she has described a sort of framework for defining and collecting data and the aim is to design data according to this framework. Now, this might sound a little complex, but there is definitely some depth in the idea. The first stage of this framework is to define a conceptual infrastructure for the data. Well, any data needs a unit and a scale to measure it. And this is what is meant by a conceptual infrastructure. For example, heart rate is calculated as beats per minute and its scale is always defined in positive integers. Once you have defined a conceptual infrastructure, you need to define your collection and aggregation processes for that data. For heart rate, collection can be done through heart rate monitors or smartwatches like Apple Watch. And aggregation, as the name implies, is a combination of all your collected data. For example, one of the heart rate apps on iOS collects heart rate through different activities and aggregates them into segments like fat burning, resting or high resting. So now that the framework has been defined, we move on to actually designing data. In her paper, Melanie takes a case study of five dating sites that ask for your body types. While some give you the usual options like slender or athletic build, others use terms like average build, jacked, pumped up, or even more descriptive ones like a few extra pounds. Now, note that we are defining the conceptual infrastructure for our data here. It's interesting to note how these dating sites use different terms for getting data on body types. The difference is because some dating sites like Black Planet Love target specific races while others like JDate target a religious group, Jewish in this case. Based on the characteristic of race and religion, they have accordingly modified the nomenclature for body types. This diversity represents different understanding of body types for different communities. But what if all the dating sites followed the same nomenclature for body types? Would there have been a difference in the data collected? Melanie asked this question to some of her students and got the response that it does matter how you ask for body types in different communities. What this essentially means is that we are actually designing data here by tweaking the way we ask users to give their data. Similarly, Melanie has taken some other case studies in the paper to demonstrate how we can design data during collection and aggregation processes. I have included a link to the paper in show notes and you can go through it for more details. Well, Melanie argues that deciding what data to collect, the form in which it is collected and the means of collection, these are all design decisions. She says we might purposefully design data infrastructure to function more directly as a design material to support a range of possibilities for data creation, just like we design computer interfaces to function as material for new ways of working and living with devices. So does this mean that we'll have a new job role of data designers in near future? Mark Rolston from Argo Design says that we will soon see a new role of data designers emerging from a combination of design and data science. He says data designers can use the intent and humanism of their discipline to put data to its full purpose. Data designers will take decisions related to data modeling, algorithm design, 
quality and usability of data and will also consider sociological and safety issues. And this finally brings us to the bigger question of data design and social responsibility. There are privacy issues to consider and we all know that wrong data or information can lead to devastating results. So ultimately data has to work with our intuition and moral understanding to produce the best results. Algorithms and programs will give you abandoned data, but this has to come together with designers intuition and insight to see the larger picture. Designers should be data aware and data informed to make better design decisions. But as we are designing for humans and not for machines, the role of our intuition, empathy and moral responsibility should not be ignored. Ultimately, our goal is to design products for our users that can help them achieve their goals in a delightful way. On that note, I would like to end this episode of Doors and Devices. I'm excited to cover a lot of interesting things in design space. Do send me your feedback on adit at finepointlabs.com or on Twitter at Adit Gupta. I would love to know how I can make the podcast more enjoyable and helpful for everyone. I'll soon be back with the next episode. Till then, have fun designing.